sparks to mission debrief. We've played every mission of the mainline Halo video games, and now we're playing every mission from the rest of the games in the franchise in chronological order. If you'd like to play along and have your thoughts read on the show, email us at podcastevolved at gmail.com or drop us a tweet at podcastevolved on Twitter. We'll be taking you through the arcade experience, Fire Team Raven, on the next episode. If you like what you hear and want to support the show, visit Podcast Evolved on Patreon. This episode, we're recapping Halo Wars and discussing its place within the Halo franchise. I'm your host, Colin Perkins, alongside David Arnold. Hello, everybody. And Krista Brown. Mama needs a new challenge, boys. Yeah. Yeah, you, you whooped her ass in this one. <laughs> I mean, you're the one who made it into a competition. It's true. <laughs> you it's only true. have yourself to blame. We could have been just, you know, idly playing, having a good time. I mean, I, I, I like it. I think we'll, we'll, we'll stick with it. There's more <laughs> points to be scored in these games. So we'll see how it goes. Um, I wanted to give a quick recap of the story, as I do in all of these kind of yeah, end of series, end of game episodes. So I'll do that. Um, then there's a couple um, pieces of information that we that we kind of missed that we wanted to touch on um, for this episode. So I will cover off on that as well. Um, so in Halo Wars, here's my overview of it. I try to make it short as possible, but include some good details here. So the Spirit of Fire chases a Covenant fleet that's searching for ancient technology across the galaxy. The Prophet of, Reg- of Regret plans to use a Forerunner fleet stationed inside a flood-infested shield world, but needs a human to activate the ships. The Arbiter, Ripa Morami, captures Professor Ellen Anders and forces her to wake the Dreadnoughts. To save humanity from certain doom, Captain James Cutter gives the order to use the Spirit of Fire's FTL drive to destroy the shield world while the ships are still inside. Sergeant John Forge sacrifices himself by manually activating the FTL drive, causing the planet's sun to go supernova while his comrades make a furious escape. The remaining crew, including ship AI Serena and Spartan Red Team, are left floating in space with little hope of rescue. And this takes place February 4th, 2531 to February 25th, 2531. How'd I do? Is that, that did it? Is that the That's whole it. thing? That's pretty much it. <laughs> um, I went back and forth. So we don't even, like, we go to those other planets, right? And when I was recapping everything, I was like, do I even need to mention Harvest? I mean, we go to Harvest, we find a thing, or actually the Covenant finds a thing, then they go go away. And then we chase him to Arcadia. They're looking for a thing, but then they go away too. Like they don't even really find anything on those two planets, do they? Uh, not much. We fight the bad guys. Colin. I mean, we fight. We, we like we learn how to play the, the game, but but the plot doesn't really thicken until we get to the Shield World, where a lot of the stuff kind of comes to fruition, right? Kind of just chilling. We're just kind of like, what are the Covenant doing? And then <laughs> right. we're like, oh my god. Right, exactly. Um, yeah, so so there's our recap, and we'll we'll I'll keep going with the recaps. I think I'm, I was able to tie them all together for the FPS games because there is, I mean, there is that direct through line for everything. This these games jump around a little bit. Um, the the additional games that we have to play. So um, you know, I'll I'll keep it going for that for this. Um, but wanted to at least provide that uh, quick overview of, of what we what we did 
in these games. Um, okay, so we have to touch up on a couple things before we kind of dive into our, our overall discussion of Halo Wars, our thoughts, our feelings, you know, the highs, the lows. We laughed, we cried, all that stuff. Um, I cried. So I, I mentioned, <laughs> yes, you did constantly clap and smile. <laughs> the skulls, I kind of kind of dropped off on the skulls as we were going. I, I never really use skulls myself in Halo Wars. I use them a little bit in the Halo games here and there, but not too much. Did you guys either, either of you use skulls on and off? Through? I mean, no, we had our competition, so that probably prevented you guys from Are you that. telling me, Colin, that you have never completed a lasso campaign? I haven't, no. What are you, a sane person? <laughs> right. Okay, Colin, me neither. I've never touched the skulls, really, and for Halo Wars. Okay. They're, they're a little different. I mean, they're, they're like a collectible for me, but then in terms of their application, I never really use them. Um, I guess I just don't... I don't need that. If I'm going to challenge myself, I'm just going to bump it up the um, bump up the overall difficulty. I'm not going to, you know, go in and fiddle with the skulls myself. I'm sure, you know, they're there and people use them for for that reason to make, you know, certain missions more interesting. But um, I'm more of a, you know, just I'll just bump it up to heroic or bump it up to legendary guy versus well, and Halo, skulls. Halo Wars is very different from the uh, FPSs in that there's a lot of skulls that actually help you. In Halo yeah. Wars, like a great mm-hmm. majority of them, which every time I go through the skulls, I'm always shocked by it. Like the mainline FPS series have kind of the funny ones that don't do anything like I would have been your daddy. And then a couple of them have the bandana skull. Mm-hmm. I know Halo 2 has the scarab gun, which is kind of crazy. And then just a couple other memes, but nothing to like legitimately help you. Yeah. So let me go through them. I, I mentioned a couple of them early on in the series, but I, I, I fell off somewhere along the line. So uh, the first mission, you get the Look Daddy Skull. This doesn't do anything. It's just for fun. Um, and the, um, I guess the impact is Grunt's methane tanks always explode on death. I did turn those on every once in a while. So I just turned the fun ones on when I remembered that they were a thing. Uh, mission two, Grunt Birthday Party. Grunts explode into confetti. That's always fun. You got to do that if you play Halo. The third mission had Cowbell, and that's destruction physics are magnified by two, so bigger explosions. The fourth mission is Wuv Woo, and we mentioned <laughs> that in the last one. Was it the last one? Or one of the last ones where we had the scarab, and the scarab shoots rainbow beams of pure love is <laughs> the description. Very good. Uh, okay, so now we get into the ones that actually modify your score. On the fifth mission, you get Fog. And this adds 10% to your mission completion score. Um, you don't get a minimap in Fog. No minimap. So that's an easy one, right? Like, yeah, you If you know the map, it's not that big of a problem. So if you've yeah. played, the, played the mission before, you don't, you don't need it. The Fog School is mm-hmm. one of the easier ones to turn off and get extra points. Are there... I guess thinking of score, I know we had our little internal competition for score, but were there, do you guys remember there being leaderboards or do you ever, I mean, I don't compete against my friends in the score outside of like this game. I mean, I always, I'll I'll turn things on like achievements and stuff like that just to kind of check in on it, but I'm not going to like go talk trash anybody (laughs) because like (laughs) I have, you know, a higher number than they do. But were there leaderboards in Halo Wars to, do you guys remember any of that? Not that I've noticed. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's maybe it's it's for that, right? That's why you have the score to, um, you know, to either get achievements or to just say, hey, I got X score on um, on this mission. Bragging rights. Sure, it's a video less. game thing. Yeah, exactly. 
I think Halo Wars 2 might have like scores because it was but like I wouldn't be surprised if it didn't because the Master Chief collection is full of that yeah like true. having rivals and comparing yeah. scores and times to people so I wouldn't be surprised if Halo Wars 2 had it and just in general, like, Halo Wars 1's, like, menus and stuff like that aren't really the best. I had to, like, look up how to turn on skulls and stuff like that when I was messing around with that a couple days ago. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it was, like, They're I you have to go into the mission to activate them. It's weird. Yeah, I, when yeah we you first have started, to, like, you can't turn ahead. them on in the menus. You have to start the mission and then turn them on. Which I thought it's was weird. really weird. And then... Mm-hmm. I kept when when we when we first started playing, I kept activating the mission before going and changing the difficulty because I'm just so used to saying I want to play this mission. And then it's like, okay, what difficulty do you want? Yeah, it's just it's a bit weird. It got a little yeah. frustrating. I'm like, Urgh. yeah, it's like you turn on your difficulty at like the main menu almost, and it just carries through. It does like say what difficulty you're on in the top right corner, but you have um, to like change it in the main menu before yeah. going into the mission. Exactly. It's just mm. it's just old. It's just kind of showing its sure, age that yeah. the menus and stuff are just a little different than what we're used to. Or it's just that's how they developed it. You know, it wasn't developed by Bungie, right? It's yeah. Developed by RTS. And maybe that's a that's the thing in RTS is to do it like that. I don't know. All right. So the the sixth mission had sickness, and that adds ten percent to your score as well. All player units explode into flood units on death. Oh. Jesus Christ! Why would you want that? yeah all player units so that means that when your team when your marines die then flood explodes out of them oh yikes uh the seventh mission is rebel sympathizer 20 (laughs) adds 20 percent to your score non-player units receive 25 percent more hit points okay so that makes it harder makes sense then uh number eight rebel supporter is another 20 percent non-player units inflict 50 percent more damage okay so as you you know if you add that on top of a legendary run oof that's gonna be tough right? that is a big oof mm-hmm. you have uh mission nine is rebel leader that adds 20 percent as well non-player units start with extra veterancy yikes uh, mission 10 is catch that adds 20 percent non-player units recharge abilities in half the normal time this is getting rough. <laughs> yeah, I'm not no. having fun already. Uh, no, Lazo is on this would be terrible. No, thank you. Um, I'll go back to Halo maybe, Reach. Maybe the first mission, that's it. Uh, Halo, uh, the 11th mission, Sugar Cookies, is adds 50%. Ooh, sugar cookies. <laughs> yeah. I like chocolate chip cookies. Not sugar With cookies. With sugar. But sugar. There's no sugar laughing. in all cookies. Have you oh, ever had, yeah. Have I'll give you ever, some sugar cookies. Have you ever had ch- chocolate chip peanut butter cookies? Oh, no, so I would die. Yes. There's a bag of them it's in hilarious. my house right now. <laughs> Impossible. All right, so sugar cookies adds 50% to your score. All players' units have 50% more hit points. Ooh. Mission 12, Boomstick, adds 10%. 5% chance any non-player unit blows up on death with splash damage. Wow, okay. <laughs> uh, mission 13 is Pain Train. Adds twenty five percent to your score. All player units train fifty percent faster. All player units train. Okay, that seems like that would be good, right? Could you yeah, imagine it seems like the AI pairing... doesn't get any buffs? Is what it sounds like really. Could you imagine yeah. pairing that with the uh, the armory benefit that trains troops even faster? Yeah, right. They just <laughs> awesome. pump them out quickly. Weird. <laughs> 
Okay, and then uh, mission 14, Bountiful Harvest, uh, adds 30% to your score. Supplies arrive 25% more quickly. Gee, well, why wouldn't you do that? And it adds to your score, okay. And then mission 15, the last one, is Emperor, adds 50% to your, your score. All player leader powers recharge in half the time. Hmm. I wonder if you can't do those in the campaign those those all feel like those would be oh just yeah multiplayer you can put or skirmish them, no you can put them on huh. anything wow yeah so you if can... you want to get a high score you could like you said those are going to benefit you at the end but then you're also getting a percentage on top of your score well no so the ones that help you actually take away from your score okay because the, the well maybe maybe the prima guide's wrong then because it says plus 25 percent for all those plus 25 plus 30 and plus 50 so uh, I'm pretty sure when I was messing around with them, some of them said this would subtract yeah, from your overall score. That would, that would make more sense. So sometimes the prima guide, whoever is editing these, you know, make a mistake here or there. But anyway, wanted to go over that. So um, there's your skulls information. If you're a skull person, enjoy that. Or um, definitely, you know, you, all that information is out on the web uh, elsewhere. But at least wanted to cover it in our show proper. Um, there are two other categories or two other topics I wanted to cover off on that we mentioned. So Etrin Harborage, the shield world itself. Um, Chris is going to go over that, and then we're going to talk talk about those those ships that ended up being like the main plot line of the game towards the end. So, Krista, what do you know about Etrin Harborage? Yeah, so we kind of talked about shield worlds when we were playing Halo 4 because that revolved around a shield world. Mm-hmm. So, um, Etrid Harbage is actually very different from Requiem. Requiem was one of the first shield worlds, and this one's one of the later models. It's so one of the more fancy models. So, Etrid Harbage, also known as Shield World 0459, or Trove, was a Forerunner Dyson Sphere class shield world. And a Dyson Sphere class shield world means basically that there's a sun in the middle of it. Not a real sun, a fake sun. Mm-hmm. There's a fake sun in the middle of it. And it's almost like a ball where the surface is on the inside of the ball and not on the outside. So you don't go in there and there's just another planet. Literally, the shell of the planet actually has the surface on it. So I don't think they did a very good job at kind of showing you that in any of the cutscenes. They should almost like flipped it at some point so you could kind of get a feeling of, you know, like all of a sudden you're walking on the, like the inner shell. Yeah. Yeah, but... You are, you're on the middle, if you were to actually be on the planet, you would see the surface curving up, so the landscape mm-hmm. curving up around you, and that's trippy and fun. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, these shield worlds were meant for uh, conservation, protection from the halo rings, you know, it was a place for you to evacuate and uh, hide while the halo rings were being fired. Um, another strategy used for these were military bases where, you know, it was secure from the flood until we opened it. Uh, it was. It would be secure from the flood during the flood outbreak, and then a bunch of military units would be inside the shield world, and then would leave and go do some military action against the flood, and then retreat back into the sh- into the shield world for uh, protection. Mm-hmm. So that's about it. It's, we don't know too much about Etrin Harbridge's origins or anything like that, other than it was just another forerunner planet, forerunner sphere, forerunner shield world. So, Do you know how many of these things are out there? Shield worlds, like yeah, um, like a ton. Um, we oh, really? I had yeah. an exact number, like thousands, thousands really? of shield Jeez. worlds. Yeah, in the like the forerunners had an original plan of a crazy number of shield worlds, and a couple thousand of them actually got built. So, 
Shield Worlds are an amazing thing that 343 and Bungie kind of wrote into the Halo lore where they can just pull one out of their ass at any time. Right. Be like, look, a Shield World. It's one of the thousands of Shield Worlds. (laughs) They didn't limit (laughs) themselves like they did with the Halo rings. Yeah. Well, you know, it makes for good, you know, I guess plot stuff. All right. Very cool. Thank you for covering off on that. Now, David, um, we mentioned throughout the series that there are these giant flat ships, <laughs> um, but they don't they're called dreadnoughts, but they don't look like the dreadnought that we're used to from Halo um, what two and three. So what are these things? These bad boys are like awesome. They they look funny, but like I was been reading about them and they're like incredible. Just like what they are and what they can do. So they're called a Sojourner class dreadnought. Um, it's a class of prime dragoon used by the Forerunner fleet, manufactured by Samus Assembler Vats. The Sojourner class was commissioned shortly before the Forerunner flood war, so okay. it did see a lot before of action the war. in those fights. Yeah, just before. Yeah, it's crazy kind of stuff. It's its length is let's say thirty thousand feet long, nine thousand meters, ten million tons. It has it's yeah. obviously a space drive, but um. It's kind of main feature is kind of it looks like the letter F, and that's kind of how it flies as oh, well. Oh, really? It flies kind of yeah. That's kind of it doesn't go lengthways as you would expect. It is a like a hard think like the slave one in um yeah. Star Wars. That it's that that's okay. how it actually moves uh, through space, which is pretty cool. Um, it's kind of like the mantle's approach too, doesn't it? Fly like that with the didact ship. Yeah, yeah. That's that's a good way to think of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um. It's awesome. It's pretty much it kind of um how they might how to kind of fight. They fight in groups. So like two dreadnoughts on a docking battle station form combat tridents, and these mm-hmm. independent squadrons that get deployed in the solar system. So during the war, they made a new formation, which was ten dreadnoughts arranging around into an octagonal, uh, octagonal formation, wow. and and a battle station. And this was like crazy stuff that would like slice through like anything really like take ships out um their air their crew is kind of like as you can expect most forerunner things actually were kind of light on the amount of people it it took to kind of like use it Mm -hmm. but these ships were like battleships so they had a crazy large crew of like combat forms essentially for for doing like ship to ship battles and like invasions and stuff so Mm -hmm. it would have like one kind of princeps is what it was called. This was kind of the leader scene, like the captain. He'd have about, I think they had about, oh God, I was looking at it there, about 15 Navarks, which are like the actual naval crew. And then after that, it would have like 200 heavily armed warrior servants that would excel in like the shipboard combat. And they were the ones that like, they used the internal shape-shifting reconstruction of the interior spaces that we've seen for on our ships. They would use that tactically against enemies and stuff like that when they were fighting. So mm-hmm. they were, like, really great at doing that. So all this information really comes from, like, Warfleet, by the way. So yeah. we have so, so much, like, specific information on it. Okay. Um, I was going to ask about that. Yeah. They carried millions of autonomous d- despair-class hunter-killers, which were, like, drones. And these had, like, there was something like 5,000 venerators, which are, like, long-range ships and stuff like that and these were carried loads of war sphinxes as well which is pretty much a mech suit that the forerunners used so like one of these ships had thousands of soldiers do you know what i mean in mm-hmm. war suits ready to kick ass so wow. it sounded awesome 
Yeah. Essentially, and it has a single capital scale torsion driver, which is its primary weapon. This is a gravic emitter that could be used as like a delicate grasping tool or a crude scalpel. It could pull and push portions of enemy ships beyond their shielding and structural supports. It's mental, literally tearing them apart. And then, like, it would rip pieces of ships off so that the rest of the weapons could target interiors of the ships, which is a crazy way to think of fighting a battle. Yeah. We're always fighting, like, you know, shields and outside trying to get in as opposed to ripping something already, like, getting past shields and all that kind of stuff and just ripping components off ships. Sounds cool. Would love to have seen this thing in, in, in action. Yeah. Uh, but we blew them all up because that's what we do in Halo. <laughs> well, all the ones on this shield world, they're probably yeah, more out there. That's true, that's true. Um this is the only place we've seen it. But um I guess they these ships were used in the Forerunner War, obviously. Um despite how many were manufactured, of which there was many thousands, if not millions, actually it says millions, sorry, of soldiers were raised up and thrown against the flood. Um, but almost all of them um millions? were attacked at really? the end of the war. It says millions of soldiers were raised up and thrown against the flood, leading strikes deep into flood-dominated burns, Crazy. ruthlessly cauterizing the slightest hint of infection. Despite their efforts, only a few remained intact at the end of the war. So that's just to give you a sense of scale yeah. of this battle. It was obviously right. like crazy. Um, so these ships are are pretty damn amazing. It also gives you perspective on like how how many forerunners there were like their population because you know yeah. Christo was saying there's thousands of shield worlds and these things are huge and then if there are millions of these things like forerunners there's like trillions like what's after trillion i don't know <laughs> well like, it, it almost um yeah. highlights how powerful the flood are as well if these sure. beings were it really does. kind of felled and i mean there were some there's some political issues that kind of led to the flood taking over, but overall, the mm-hmm. forerunners were super, super powerful, regardless of mismanagement. Right. <laughs> so I'm looking at the Halopedia page. It says that these things show up in Halo Wars, obviously, and then they're in Halo Legends in the, the Origins um, yeah. episode. Those are actually um, really cool. If you're going to go back to Halo Legends or just want a kind of a recap of, you know, post halo 3 halo that's kind of what it is it's kind of just an animated like who are the forerunners who are the flood forerunner flood mm-hmm. war and then it kind of goes over master chief and what happened there it's great like so is that most of it like the whole package is non-canon but maybe is there some canon in there in some of those i mean the stories? recap the recap is the recap is a recap so it's all canon it's just talk talking about stuff we already know i would imagine that's the most canon part of yeah. halo legends Right. Oh, and then uh, I think the story with the Arbiter, the really ancient Arbiter, um, is actually canon. Is the, I think it is. Yeah, I think that's f- afterwards that was supposed to be the Arbiter became a mark of shame, but up to that point it was like a revered position. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think the Covenant took that after his that battle, let's say his little bit of, a, of rebellion, and twisted it on. That was when the, uh, when the Hunters were like skyscrapers. <laughs> for no reason yeah that was pretty that was pretty amazing that's just a bigger colony that's all you have to think about it Krista. yeah that's true mm-hmm. just more warmth uh but yeah so they also show up in let's see here escalation so they're in the comic and then um mythos mentions them and smoke and shadow mentions them as well Halo smoke and shadow i think it was just kind of referring to what happened in the battle mm-hmm yeah 
All right, very nice. Thank you, David, for going over that. Um, so those are kind of those are the big chunks of information that we missed off. We also haven't talked about PvP. You know, this is more of a, a campaign lore focus, but but uh, David and Krista did some PvP against each other. So we wanted to talk about, <laughs> talk about how that went. <laughs> we I may or may not have forced fun. them to do it. <laughs> it was so much fun, right, David? Yeah, fun. <laughs> Stupid rebels kick my ass, and then Krista came along with like three fucking scarabs or goddamn. I can only scarabs. have two scarabs, thank you. So, um, the interesting part is, uh, I decided to play the Covenant forces just because I was playing UNSC forces, and the Covenant, mm-hmm. the way the Covenant build their bases and stuff like that, everything's like differently named. So, like your supply pads are also kind of your reactors, and right. Uh, you well, kind no, of you your progress- reactors are like when you progress the ages. Yeah, so you have to progress you, the ages, age yeah. of reclamation, then you age get more of lightning this, bolts. Age of that. Yeah, it it was very confusing and daunting at first, but then I saw that you could build a scarab, and I was very happy. <laughs> How many units is that thing? Twenty. Twenty. Oh wow! Yeah, it it's was like twenty, and then I had to up your army. Yeah, I had to upgrade my army. I had to upgrade my max. Twice, uh, twice, maybe twice. I don't remember. I had to upgrade my army, and then I could build two of them. And then I had two like engineers. So they have the engineers, which is just a heal. They're just healing class, and they kind of follow mm-hmm. around your units. And then my leader was regret, who oh, didn't yeah. like How being my leader, and he just bitched at me the whole time. Oh really? <laughs> you tell cool. him to go somewhere, and he's like, "Oh, if I have to." And you're like, "Oh Jesus!" Oh, funny. He's in his little <laughs> chair too. He's in his little chair. Um, his power is to glass units. Oh, really? <laughs> and it takes his his uh, beam takes up uh, your resources. But by the time I got to David's base, I had like a million resources, so I could just keep it running for a really long time. Yeah, Krista brought all her campaign cheating into the PvP mode. I didn't <laughs> cheat. We played campaign together. I didn't cheat once. You're like a machine. <laughs> She's just fast clicker. Yeah, I just click so fast. So click so fast. It's our youth. (laughs) That's right. You've gotten slow in your old age. Your clicking finger isn't working (laughs) as well as it used to. Um, I guess your thumbs. I'm thinking PC, but yeah, your thumbs. thumbs. Yeah. No, I used all the buttons, all the fingers for all the clicks. Didn't work, Colin. Didn't work. But uh, I did think it was what was interesting about it. Like I'd never played the PvP mode of this, and it was we played on the Blood Gulch map, which was awesome. Oh, that was that was a really well created. Uh, map uh-huh. it's it's also weird to see it on that scale you know because you're sure. so used to it the other way around so i thought that was that was pretty cool we wanted um, to explore the map but computer characters kept killing us yeah so there's these not say neutral but like these intermediate enemies called human rebels are pretty mm-hmm. much building these weird bases on the maps and they have limited like vehicles and stuff like that and weird units and they fight you obviously so it's like they're against both sides both the UNSC and the Covenant, which is kind of cool. So some it's of the weird. bases that you can take it's over. It's weird that they didn't do um, Flood. Or can you do Flood as the like the third faction? I wouldn't be surprised if you can kind of make a custom game mm-hmm. and have Flood stuff in there. It Generally, could possibly RTS be based on the map. Oh, yeah. Oh, could that's be true. too. Yeah, it could be too. Good point. But uh, I thought that was pretty cool. Other than that, PvP, scary. Don't, don't do it, man. Why was it scary? Well, are you understand. stressed out? Were you stressed, David? Like, oh, she's coming I was for me? Out. <laughs> I was just vibing. I was having a good old time. 
Of course you were. You two scarabs. <laughs> Wrecking shots. What leader did you like pick? Five seconds in. Uh, I picked Forge. Okay. Who doesn't come as a character in the map to play with. So, like, he's not a movable unit. Oh, but Krista which got I was surprised. regret. Yeah, Krista got regret, and then I started with, like, one a warthog, a standard warthog. Not. Oh. Oh, that is weird. Yeah. I guess, because, like, otherwise, how, like, how would you have Anders out there? Because, I mean, she'd need, like, a mech or something like that in order to be capable in a battlefield. Yeah. So, hmm. I got some grizzlies, though. That's, that's what I wanted to push. Yeah. It might... You know, my big unit being a grizzly versus her big unit being a scarab. This is no comparison. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Well, you They're need a couple, couple grizzlies. Oh, I had a couple. You did? <laughs> Just not enough. Yeah, it was definitely silly that I could... Like, it took... It was like a crazy amount of resources and stuff like that to make it. I forget exactly how many. It was like 8,000 or something. Uh-huh. And then 20, 20 population, but still, like... The, the scarab just you put it on the field and it just wins the game for you. Yeah, Two scarabs right. wins the game pretty much instantly. Did you you had your leader powers though, didn't you, David? Like, could you drop a cryo bomb on it or anything? Did you try that? Uh, forges was I think it was a cryo bomb or no, it was like an EMP. It was like this weird bomb that prevents other enemies' leader powers from working for a set period mm. of time. Okay, so that's not particularly useful. No, against scarabs that was the only one you had there may have been others but like it's like transport not very offensive like i didn't have a mac cannon i didn't have oh okay there might have been carpet bomb i think i did carpet bomb once or twice but i mean scarabs (laughs) (laughs) nice it was cool i'm glad you guys did that thanks for doing that for the show um yeah again you know we've talked about it we're we're more into the campaign and lore stuff but it's fun to you know play around with the full package that we get all right, let's dive into our overall thoughts. And I, I've broken this out a couple of different ways. So um, we'll try to keep this as organized as possible for you, dear listeners. But I want to I wanna kind of have a conversation because this is the first um, real-time strategy game that we've played now in Halo. But we've played all the first-person shooter games. There, there, there is a comparison point, not a direct comparison that would, like we did with the previous um, kind of recap shows. But I do want to talk about, you know, the experience, the difference in experiencing Halo as we're commanding the battlefield versus just controlling the individual soldier. Not necessarily, in, you know, I guess we could talk about which one we like better, I guess. But that's not that's not where I really want to go with it. It's more like, how does it feel to be the commander versus being the being the individual, you know, being Master Chief, right? So David was like. You know, throughout the campaign experience, you got used to it, right? Like, it started out, it was a little weird. You're playing Halo, but you're not Master Chief. But then over time, you kind of get used to it. Do you, how does it feel to be the commander of the UNSC going against this this Covenant threat, in, you know, in the campaign? Pretty cool, man. I really liked it. I think it came across really well. It, like, the story was great. It was really well told. Mm-hmm. I thought as an RTS, it played really well. It obviously has is famous for like being the one that made RTSs work on a controller. Yeah. And for the most part, it works really well. I'm sure mouse and keyboard is way better, but um, I think it works perfectly fine. And for like a campaign at that level of the speed of of the game, yeah, I think it works really well. Um, it it is it, it does a really good job of capturing 
Halo's feel by mm-hmm. not being like an FPS Halo game. Um, yeah, which is which I think is really good. It it really stands shines well. Uh, do you know what I mean? And I don't know it it does a super job. I think it does it really well, and it feels like Halo. It is Halo. I mean, everybody accepts it. Everyone loves the blur cutscenes. Yeah. Yes, that's that's a really big thing for this game. That shows I me mean, those are incredibly expensive. Do you know what I mean? A lot of money went in to that, and the one they're always beautiful to look at, and it really helps you build. The few characters that we have, which I'm happy there are only a few, yeah, um, that you really need to care, care about, and I, I like how they progressed that in Halo Wars too, and made the Spartans a bit more characters because I didn't realize until I played this game now how little there is of the Spartans in terms of their characters. They're mm-hmm. they're not really characters as much. They're just it's, shells of armor, really. Pretty much, pretty much. There, the focus is on the dialogue between Cutter, Forge, and Anders for the most part. You know? Serena, yeah, and that. Serena and then the Arbiter and, and the Prophet, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I liked it like that. A small cast, I think, did work well and helped tell the story. I mean, it's surprising where the story goes and made planets and where you end up going. That's all super cool. And I think it's something that is very Halo-ish because, you know, you look at like Halo 4 so that you mirror some of the similar things. Mm-hmm. And then, I don't know, it's cool. The scale of the battles is so much different, right? Because... Yeah. And when we're Master Chief um, or, you know, Fireteam Osiris or I guess, you know, there's other protagonists we played as, right? You know, the other games. It's like you're you're battling just like little battalions of um, enemies versus this is like full on armies and just like waves and waves of enemies. I, it would be weird. Like, Krista, can you imagine being Master Chief like like so if let's just say this if you get a you had to control red team as a uh for in a first person as a first person so say you had jerome right and you got to control jerome in this battle would that feel it would feel so much different right like how would you how would that how would that even work oh i don't i don't know like um it would definitely you know, be a different like you're, scale. Because like, you're not. Because when you're Master Chief, it's like always you progressing the objective. Because you know you're the one that's in charge. But like if you were Jerome, you'd just be like, "Oh, I'm just over here guarding this, you know, this uh, this firebase over here for a while." Meanwhile, like other stuff is happening. You know what I mean? So it's like it's more of a realistic approach to a, a wartime game or wartime situation, but. Um, you know, like to put yourself in the in the shoes of a, one of the Marines or just like controlling one of the tanks that is probably going to blow up. It's a whole different thing, right? Like it's it, it maybe it can't be compared. It's 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 very different in that, you know, when you're playing the FPSs, you're playing as one person, one unit, and you're kind of accomplishing one overall goal. When you're a commander, there's like a bunch of different things to think about. You know, I have this squadron doing this, this squadron doing that. I have to do this, this, and this. I have to be managing my resources. I got to make sure my people are safe. Like, it's yeah. just a bit of a bigger scope of things. Um, they they give you that feel a little bit with Forge right away, right? Because Forge is like, especially in the first mission, it's like, okay, Forge is the guy that you're following around. And, you know, if he dies, then the mission ends. So you have to kind of make sure that he makes it to the end goal kind of early on but then then as the game progresses it kind of it pulls back it says okay now now forge isn't necessarily the the main protagonist like he's helping you do things but 
you can accomplish this uh, scenario in lots of different ways. Whereas in in the first person shooter games, you can accomplish them in different ways, but at the end of the day, it's still you have to get from point A to point B. Yes. Yeah, it's so it's, just, just a, it's yeah. very different. <laughs> mm-hmm. So what do you? I mean, I, it's a weird question to say which one do you prefer, but like how how was the experience for you? Um, you know, it's, and we know you're you know you're very accomplished at <laughs> real time strategy games. Um, you know, just kind of talk about the overall experience playing Halo as, as a real-time strategy game. Um, you know, it's it's very different in that it's a different perspective on Halo, but I think the game designers did such a good job at making it feel very Halo that it's not too perplexing when you're starting out. Mm-hmm. The game still feels very much like a Halo game, just from a different scale, a different point of view, a different perspective. Um, and I mean, it's a, it's a good perspective. You kind of get into it. You have the Spartans. You're familiar with that. You have the units you're familiar with, plus a couple more you can play with. Um, I think overall it's, it's very similar to the games. And I think people who are fans of the FPSs and maybe not, are not RTS people will still find something similar in the RTS, like something to identify with. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think it just it does a good job of fleshing out, you know, you see bits and pieces of of kind of the Halo universe in, you know, in the shoes of Master Chief or one of the other, you know, games protagonists. But here you you really get to, you know, literally zoom out and kind of see all of the moving pieces and get to choose which ones you um, are most proficient at or which ones you lean on throughout the throughout the campaign or you're forced to use certain vehicles at certain times um versus you know just relying on your favorite weapons like your specific guns you're relying on your favorite units um yeah it's it's i guess it's a hard comparison point but it's also just interesting to talk about you know experiencing this franchise this universe in a, in a different way what about the um david you said you liked the story um do you feel like it was a typical halo type story that was being told in halo oh, yeah. wars it's got all the tropes crashing mm-hmm. pelicans yeah, right. you, you can't have the thing so we're going to blow it up instead so no one can have the thing <laughs> right. um it's got a halo in it there in a little bit mm-hmm. kind of but um it is it is a halo story and all and it feels like that they have a good list of characters it's got a good progression as it moves through. There may be one or two dud levels. Maybe you're not you're not a huge fan of, or yeah. kind of need the story a little bit slow. But I did like it, and I liked how it progressed. Where you see like this ship, this huge ship full of humans battling, kind of like their their own kind of support group. There, they can kind of operate alone independently. See them kind of getting stretched and stretched, and then eventually going to like a place they have never been before, a totally alien place. How do they react to this? I liked it. I, I did think it was really good. It absolutely felt like Halo. You had your mm-hmm. blue lady. She was full of sass. <laughs> right. You had not Halsey. <laughs> you had, you know, not Keys. Mm-hmm. But, um, and not Johnson. Do you know what I mean? What, what else? And not Chief. You had all the, you had <laughs> but, all the, you had all the yeah. personalities, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in some cases, probably better ones than, than the FPS games mm. did. Like, certainly Cutter is and should be like the new keys. I mean, we've had two keys and they're gone. And even still, like 
you know, Captain Keys, Jacob Keys is still revered because he showed up in so many books even after he died. Do you know what I mean? So of, of prequel books and prequel stories. So there's a lot of character there. And I think that's that should be cutter going forward because we don't really have, other than Lord Hood, a big UNSC naval character to get mm-hmm. behind. With you know authority, I mean? right? But any kind of authority, exactly. I mean, and cutter, if you think about it now in terms of the time difference is probably the oldest and probably now maybe <laughs> yeah. some of the most experienced, you know, mm-hmm. naval unity officer and what he's commanded and what he does. I mean, I don't want to get too far ahead, but like that, I love where this goes on. Do you yeah. know what I mean? And it is there. It is pretty good. It's pretty, it's a pretty well told story. And to be honest, RTS is are traditionally pretty good at telling stories. Surprisingly. So, I mean, you look at some of the like Command and Conquer games, they were doing full motion videos and everything with like big name actors and everything for their games. So they they always tell stories through scenes and stuff like that. And I thought that this game did a great job, even the in-game dialogue and stuff like that. Really, it did keep you engaged in the story, mm-hmm. you know? Who's the best character for you in this game? Hmm. They probably wanted it to be Forge, but I don't think I loved Forge. Um mm-hmm. I'd probably like it more now after the fact, and that's probably because of the Kelly Gay novels. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, gee, I mean, it's, it probably should be Cutter, to be honest, but he's, I guess there's no real individual in, in this now that I think about it. The most standout. Yeah, it's probably Forge, right? Once the Spartans I mean, I'm asking get... you, who's your favorite? Who's your, who do you, who are you drawn to the most? Fav- in, in Halo Wars 1? Yeah. I don't really have one. I'm, I'll say, hmm. I'll say Forge. Reluctant. <laughs> <laughs> I think I have to. Yeah. I don't know. Because when I think about just like how you interact with these characters and like individually, they're. I don't know. It's kind of weird to think about. Mm-hmm. Krista, do you have do you have a lot of favorite? Probably Captain Cutter. I like him a lot. Like mm-hmm. the thing is, it's hard to differentiate sometimes the character development that happens between Halo Wars 1 and 2, because 2 fleshes out the yeah. Spartans a lot more, and then the Spartans are just mwah, beautiful. So much fun. Mm. Right. But uh, this one, I think Captain Cutter is cool. Like like, I, like David said, Forge is almost, Forge is just kind of boring. And I think the problem, I think the biggest problem with Forge is that he's overshadowed by the Spartans so horribly. Sure. The Spartans are just, just super cool, you're using them all the time, and then you just have Forge, you're like, okay, I'm gonna put him in a corner. Well, in like gameplay, but in cutscenes, Forge does a lot of things. Yeah, Forge does the does do a lot of things. Forge is super cool. He takes down the Arbiter single handedly. That was awesome. Mm-hmm. But in gameplay, he's kind of meh, and the Spartans are just yeah. so great. Um, yeah. I think Captain Cutter is really cool. I think he's a great uh, leader, leader Captain Keys figure, mm-hmm. naval officer. So I think he's pretty yeah. cool. What about yeah, you? He's got he's got lots of integrity and stuff like that. I mean, I prob I would hem and haw just like what David did because there is like which one is your favorite? They're all very different. Like Anders is very strong. Um, she's um, a good you know science expert to have along, and you know she's she you know gets captured and then escapes, and she's like the main reason. She has the idea of blowing um, blowing things up. Um, you know she's super smart, but. Um, I just I just to flesh her out a little bit. We haven't really talked about her that much, but I guess I don't know. I guess I am drawn more to Forge. I think his his arc, where he's kind of a big jerk at the beginning, and then you know he's capable on the battlefield. He doesn't do a ton when you're in the gameplay, 
but then the fact that he does say, you know makes the larger sacrifice at the end um you know i think i think i like i would say forge would be my my favorite even though he is you know kind of a broy dude but um you know i think that's that's also warranted for a marine figure in halo right their marines are are, are broy um let's see here what else do we have to talk about oh let's talk about the progression of the gameplay we've kind of mentioned it throughout the episodes but how did you like um let's talk chris we'll throw this one to you first the you know how they start you off with just you're literally just controlling forge around you know picking out of extra marines and then by the end you're you know you have these massive armies and you know multiple bases throughout do you think um that was they did a good job with that do you think that they could have done things differently um, talk about kind of the progression of the game from a gameplay standpoint. So I think they did a really good job. I think when they came in to make this game, they knew they were introducing RTS to a traditionally FPS community. Mm-hmm. And I think they did a very good job at easing you into what an RTS is, what you need to keep track of. This is how things are going to be. You know, they kind of, it's not handholdy at all, but it, it defi- they definitely um, introduce you to things a little slower. Not super slow, but enough that when you're replaying it, it's a little annoying at times. It's like, I just I just want to do my thing. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Um, I think it was pretty ingenious for them to kind of ease you in like they did for people coming to an RTS for the first time. And they had a super handholdy tutorial yeah. that you could run through. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, hand-holdy. that's true. Yeah, so they, they yeah, I think they did a good job of kind of giving you something new, you know, some uh, each mission early on is like, okay, here's your main vehicle um or here's the new vehicle. Here's how to kind of use it. We're going to we're going to build this mission around, you know, using that. And then I remember it was interesting, Krista, you said which one is like when we first encountered the flood and you said that you didn't even have to build any any marines right yeah so it's it's interesting how you know the mission is trying to teach you how to use an elephant and saying hey build some stuff and then meanwhile you know you can get perfect without even using it at all <laughs> <laughs> um so they i think they do a good job of of giving you certain objectives you know the second ob- objectives are are um fun most of the time or challenging i guess um you need to accomplish them to get a, a high score for the most part but then you can also just accomplish the mission any way you want. You don't have to do the the objectives. I mean, you know, the main objectives you do, but the secondary ones you don't. Um, any other thoughts on progression, David? Not really. It's pretty standard in terms of an RTS and how they wean you in and give you powers of vehicles and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. by the end, you get the big do whatever you want. You've got access to everything kind of stuff. Um, so, no, I thought it was well done. I enjoyed it. What did you think about the final mission? You know, when you're thinking about, like, Warthog runs and... You know the other the ending it's like the massive nowhere near missions. iconic uh-huh. to be honest there but what this game has is the iconic cutscene yes of the spartans and forge in the fight that's that's what this game has in my eyes in terms of the end game moment it, the end mission isn't pretty iconic at all um and you know what i mean it's pretty basic in terms of actually what you're doing it has a little puzzle in it like you know what mm-hmm. i mean that you can kind of figure out without, without too much help um but what you actually do is the same as you did in a lot of base. You know, you turtle up, you take bases, you move around. It's nothing crazy. It didn't introduce a new mechanic. And I guess it, like 
a warhead run wouldn't really work in a game like this. Do you know what I mean? It's 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 a timed countdown, so it's kind of got that element to it yeah. of like a thing's about to explode on a timer, finish the mission within it. That's pretty standard for RTS games to have mission countdowns. Do you know what I mean? And that's the kind of the element of challenge is not what you're doing, but doing mm-hmm. it in a certain amount of time. Um, but again, like I said, it's not really it's not the end mission. It's the end cutscene or the cutscene yeah. before it really. Yeah, I agree with that sentiment. Krista, any other thoughts on kind of how it ends, how it wraps up as you're playing the game? Uh, I think it's fun how they give you so many uh, kind of tools in your toolbox. They pretty much yeah. give you everything, which is a lot of fun. So it's kind of fun to mess around. And that mission's a really good one to kind of mess around in, even though mm-hmm. it has a timer on it. Um, in terms of it being super iconic, eh, no, not really, not super iconic. Yeah. I, I definitely always remember it, but I don't remember it as vividly as like the Scarab mission or some of the other missions that uh that I remember. That's certainly the most iconic mission, I think. Uh, for me, it was that one. I think Arcadia City is the two I remembered. And Arcadia yep. City, because I hated it. And <laughs> right. It was the it was definitely the Scarab beam crushing, because that's the one that actually changes up how you play this game. Yeah. In terms of like you have to actually do something different gameplay-wise. Yeah. Any favorites for you, Krista, mission wise? Oh, definitely Scarab. Scarab is yeah. just it's it's just, just super iconic. It's fun. It's got a great um kind of niche to it. Mm-hmm. I think you just always remember seeing that head kind of moving back and forth and blasting the hell out of you. Oh, and, and the missions that we talked about already where you're on the ship. You're on the spirit of firefighting. Oh, I think yeah. those are iconic even if you're not mad about them. I think visually the idea of them is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. I, I kinda like that. Yeah, I mean, they all, I'm looking through the list of the, the missions, and they all have their own little, I don't know, special moment. Like, even, um, you know, Dome of Light, right? Like, where you get to use the Mac Cannon at the end. You know, that's pretty cool. Um, I guess Arcadia Arts Outskirts isn't super great in terms of, like, a an, a great moment. But, um, you know, you get to finally meet the Flood, and then you get to use an elephant, and then you're on the ship. Yeah. All these things are have, you know, then you have the elephant pulling the reactor up. I mean, for the most part, they all have their own little, you know, iconic or, or memorable moment for, throughout. Um, all right. Let's let's see here. There are a couple other things, you know, we could we could talk about this forever. I don't want to go too long. Um, so there's a couple other things I just want to talk about. Let's talk about the the covenant. How did you feel about the covenant, how they were portrayed um let's talk about let's see here let's talk about the actual characters first i guess let's talk about like it's really just the arbiter and regret right like how do how do you feel about those two krista as the main antagonists uh it was nice to see a prophet it's always nice to see a prophet it's nice to see a prophet Mm -hmm. who wasn't truth but i think i think mercy probably has the least amount of screen time so he probably would have been a better character to put in just to give him something to do because you barely see Mm -hmm. you don't even get to fight him in halo 2 um (laughs) the arbiter's great i love the arbiter um it's there's some story elements that are confusing and it's at first it's very confusing that this is not our arbiter this is a different one i wish they would have made that a little clearer Mm -hmm. totally agree but yeah I think they're strong characters. I think they're good villains. The Arbiter's definitely a great villain. And the Covenant are the Covenant. They're fun to fight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, lots. Of, I mean, the variety that they give to you is, is a lot of fun, I think. 
you know, you get to see like the locust. That thing's awesome. And I love the lo- the look of the locust. And then you get vampires. You get you get all sorts of new stuff that you haven't experienced in the other games. And it just it it kind of opens your mind as a Halo fan. It's like, oh, there's all this other stuff that that could be out there or was out there, I guess, before I was Master Chief um, to to experience. And it it it, it widens. Not only, you know, on both both factions, I guess all factions, it widens the possibilities that that we may see those in, you know, if if we do get another RTS game down the road or another just genre of game or just another of, of our classic FPS games that says, okay, pretty much anything is possible as long as they stick within kind of like the technology, um, I guess, reality of each faction. David, any thoughts on enemies? Yeah, that's the great part of what, this, these RTS games do because of the actual nature of the type of game you have and you're taking a property some existing property anything you're going to have to create way more than is already in existence mm-hmm. to facilitate various units types and unit roles and the counterbalance between you know the rock paper scissors that they put in this game which was great so obviously in terms of fighting I it's traditional Halo I prefer fighting Covenant enemies than I do the flood yeah but the flood aren't that bad in, in this in this game to be honest now that i get to the end of it i realize yeah it's actually i'm probably thinking more maybe on Halo wars too but i am um, they were definitely not as like unpleasant to fight mm-hmm. uh, and you, there there is kind of like the sentinels but there's not really a forerunner class of enemy really in this game yeah um that cool. really comes in halo wars too but I don't know. In terms of the enemies, yeah, I enjoyed it. I think it was fun to fight. It was cool to see the different units, to see different types. I liked... It's kind of a, a, a stupid thing, but uh, or uh, kind of a small thing. I love that their, their standard troops were grunts with an elite, like, controlling them, leading them, because that's mm-hmm. always how it's kind of written in the lore as well, that there is, like... The grunts don't really do any a whole lot by themselves. Yeah. If they're left by themselves, they'll, like fall asleep and shit you know mm-hmm. so I, I loved that they had that the units were and i think forget me wrong i think there's a way when you update or upgrade your troops choices that's kind of the thing you can upgrade them to have an elite in that unit or whatever and that like i don't know it's cool that's yep. just one of the small things that i kind of like scarabs suck hate you krista <laughs> <laughs> do you guys think the flood was necessary it didn't feel like it to be honest they didn't when it when it comes down to it the story is not about them at all yeah they don't really factor a huge portion into it which is probably maybe intentional because these guys are fighting the flood before humanity ever really do you know what i mean they're retroactively adding the flood back into a timeline where we didn't know humanity had encountered the flood and it's just convenient that like the spirit of fire never really returned to earth i think mm-hmm. it just complicates the story yeah yeah Sure. I think it just confuses people, like, where, where we are in the timeline, what's going on. And the story's not super clear to begin with. Like, like planet, like jumping to planets and stuff gets a little confusing. And I think the Flood just kind of adds another element that just kind of, like, if you're not, if you're not super into the Halo lore and you're just playing this, it can get very confusing. Yeah. Especially on your first yeah. run through of the game. It's like, why are the Flood mm-hmm. here? And... You're dealing with a shield world anyway. Just to give you that flavor anyway. of Halo, I guess. Yeah, it's just to have different units and stuff. But I think it was wholly unnecessary. We could have just been fighting, fighting the Covenant. And that's... I mean, it's been done before. We've had games where we've only fought the Covenant. And they're they're perfect. They're fine. So, I think it was just 
every other Halo game had the Flood, I guess this game has to have the Flood, and I think it's pretty obvious that that's why they're in there. Yeah, I think they, I mean, if they're going to put the Flood in there because of that reason, because Halo needs the Flood in it up until this point, um, I guess it made sense how they they, um, incorporated them into the story. They, I think they did their best of making them them present, but then I mean, also, if a flood was no was a prerequisite to this story, they did a good job. Like if if Bungie said the flood have to be in this game, I think they did a good job implementing them without affecting the larger universe. Mm-hmm. But if it was something that someone said we should have the flood because all Halo games have the flood, I think then it was unnecessary. I feel it was more of a to um they included them to kind of flesh out the package of halo wars to give it another faction if it was just the two factions in there um i don't i think things would have gotten a little more stable i mean they could have fleshed out the forerunner sentinels sure yep that could that could have easily been the third uh Mm -hmm. the third faction and still kept kind of a better canon that would have been cool if we had uh soldiers and knights and all that stuff yeah in this game like they like fleshed out all of a sudden all the forerunners or we know that Prometheans. we know that these dyson spheres have like an incredible amount and variety of sentinels they could have i know they weren't created yet but mm-hmm. technically they could have come up with a bunch of different kinds of sentinels instead of coming up with a bunch of different kinds of flood yeah yeah definitely mm-hmm um, all right, so we're gonna we're gonna try to wrap it here pretty quickly. But any, I guess, any major highlights of the game for you, Krista? You know, any big standouts? Not necessarily the mission, but just like moments. Anything that you really liked, and then let's go well, something you really liked, and then something that you were frustrated with or you, you didn't really like. Anything come to mind? Winning. <laughs> yes, you did win. <laughs> That's a good highlight. No, um, it was just fun to get back or... into it. Uh, yeah. Highlight was beating Krista in co-op mode. That was pretty good. <laughs> yeah, shut up, Krista. dude. I did all the work. You would have died without me. He doesn't <laughs> deny it. Um, no, I think just getting back into Halo Wars and like, uh-huh. I do like the fact that we kind of brought score into it because it made me play a little differently and kind of experience mm-hmm. the game a little differently. So I really enjoyed yeah. that. Um, one of the not highlights, um, sometimes it got a little grindy. There are a couple missions that I just really dislike and I didn't like playing. So yeah, those, Mm -hmm. those kind of, no. (laughs) Yep. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, David, any highlights, lowlights you want to talk about? Uh, nothing crazy. I mean, co-op Krista was pretty fun. I actually was pretty impressed with how that worked. Mm-hmm. generally like in terms of how it played i thought it was pretty cool um better implemented i guess well yeah I just, i've never really played much for rts co-op in a very well a very long time but i thought it was pretty cool um other than that the fact i think it still holds up really well it's kind of how generally the game overall i think is, is still very playable oh yeah and and pretty holds up uh, a solid story definitely worth playing Low lights. There's it's same as Krista. There's no occasional mission. I'm just like I don't really want to play this. And as soon as I finished, I was like, great, I'm done. I'm not going to play that game, play that mission again. <laughs> not many, mind you, but some of them are just kind of annoying. Um, have kind of annoying moments, but not nothing crazy. Yeah, I mean, I, the highlight for me was was being you know playing Halo as an RTS and just kind of experiencing 
um, kind of commanding how I really loved the kind of the firebase that whole experience and you know deciding you know that was like a puzzle for me is not only how you attack the the enemy and complete each mission but like what build order do I do it in and like I still haven't figured that out perfectly but but that thought process I, I really enjoyed and just seeing the firebase in action and th seeing things kind of come out of the ground and um yeah, like all the animations that they have in this game is very cool. There's, there's a lot of lot of it's really true. good things to to talk about in this package, and it really just fleshes out the the Halo world, and you know a lot of things that you may wonder about, um, you can find in Halo Wars, which I think is great. Um, oh, go ahead. special shout out to the timeline. That was a pretty cool addition. Yeah, yeah, the timeline is cool, mm -hmm. and it kind of helps. You know, it has the full because up until that point, we only knew a certain number of things and the Halo universe, and it included all those things, but then it also put in a, a bunch of other stuff, kind of filled in a bunch of gaps that we might yeah, be Yeah, everything about. from, yeah, before, let's say, the Spartan 2 program. Like, we may have had, like, the books didn't really go that far back, as, I suppose Contact Harvest did. Mm -hmm. But, uh, yeah, I guess we, there was a there's definitely gaps in the timeline that was great to see that filled in, even if it was just a small one-liner or the one entry. Yep. Visually, I, th I thought it was a cool thing to add into a Halo game. Yeah, I think the the low light, you know, I love the cutscenes, but I think the story does jump around quite a bit. So that would be maybe the, I, you know, this, that's, I guess, the low light for me is that how it's a little bit choppy along the way. I do like, you know, after you play it again and again, kind of do absorb everything that happens. Um, it all makes sense, but it, it didn't flow as well, I guess, as I, I would have hoped. Um, you know, I think they did, they did a good job with it, but um, it wasn't, you know, that was kind of the, the weaker end of the game for me. All right, let's um, let's wrap there. You know, again, we could talk about this game. We've already talked about this game, you know, 15 episodes worth, <laughs> um, quite a bit. So, you know, you have a lot of our thoughts from the individual episodes. And, um, you know, we always enjoy doing these recap shows for you. Um, what we are going to tackle next. So we are going to um, play, well... We've played, because you can't really go outside right now and do stuff, but um, Fireteam Raven. <laughs> yeah, Fireteam Raven is out there. And um, if you've played that, then we're going to we're gonna talk about that. If you haven't and want to experience it, you know, we'll, we'll kind of take you through what that's all about. Um, so that'll be the, our next kind of, uh, we'll do a couple episodes on that. Then... Um, as we're as we're and then we'll tackle kind of the other twin six shooter games and then we'll go over to halo wars 2 in terms of like you know if you want to dive into anything in the meantime you know there's obviously fireteam raven to play i would say fireteam raven takes place during halo ce so go play ce again you could play go play halo reach again you know that kind of ties stuff together then um there's a there's a lot more books more recently i guess than um that kind of play into this early timeline than there was so I'm just going to kind of list them off right here. Some comics, some books. This is kind of all front end of Halo before 2552 or leading up to 2552. So you have, well, I'm, I'm not mentioning the Forerunner books. We're not going to go back that far. But So you have Broken Circle. You have Halsey's Journal, which is interesting, I think. Um, you could read Genesis, the comic. I think I already mentioned that. That came with the limited edition of Halo Wars. You have Collateral Damage, which is a comic that takes place in 25, I think 2525. Silent Storm is 2526. You have Oblivion, which is 2526 also. You have Contact Harvest, which is about the planet Harvest that we visited in the game. Cold Protocol. Um, I'm forgetting, is that in the 30s somewhere? Yeah. Or is that earlier? 
Cole is early, yeah. Okay. Because Keys is like a lieutenant, I think, still. And then you have Battleborn in uh, Battleborn Meridian D- Divide, which is before twenty, like just before twenty five fifty two. That takes place on Meridian. Then you have Bloodline, which is actually just before um, Fall of Reach as well, which is the comic book. Then you have Fall of Reach, and there's lots of ways to experience Fall of Reach. There's a book or a comic, or there's a um, you know a, a animated series. So lots of stuff to kind of dig into before we move on to kind of the next portion of the timeline. You could also watch Forward Unto Dawn again. I feel like that would be a fun watch now that you've got to experience a little bit of Red Team in 2531. You can kind of go back a, a couple more years. Corbulo Academy and, um, oh, what's her guy's name? Lasky, Tom Lasky. That was set in 2526, so a little before this this game. Um, Halo Legends has some earlier stuff you can check out too. We already mentioned that, so so check that out as well. Anything I miss that you guys want to highlight? No, I think that's about it. Uh, I mean, I that's First for Strike has some stuff before 2552. Got some flashbacky stuff, that's true. Yeah, it's kind of like more... Like, First Strike is the other half of the Fall of Reach, basically, like the battle on the planet, so... It okay. also has yeah, time travel, sense. which is really confusing. <laughs> right. <laughs> Uh, okay, so let's do our community question, and we'll get out of here. Um, David, are you ready? Do you have it up? Facebook? Oh, God damn it. I, <laughs> I, was, I have I it up. That. Let's do Discord first, then. Okay. April 19th, 2020, at 2.10 p.m. Uh, by Colin. Uh, what's the best thing Halo Wars did for the franchise? Parentheses, questions for mission debrief, colon, Halo Wars recap show, and parentheses. Um, so Spartan B312, uh, snark wannabe <laughs> says, uh, the music, I put the entire soundtrack in my Halo soundtrack track. Yeah. Action figures, hands, and spirit of fire are great. Mm-hmm. Barlett King says, gave us some of the best cutscenes in the industry for the time. Praise be to Blur Studios. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, Pope says a few things, I think. Uh, first thing is the fact that those cutscenes are gorgeous. And I think the second thing is it gave us a lot of cool new toys to work with in the universe. Cyclopses, hawks, grizzlies, vampires, and many others. Yeah. Uh, Rai just says gave us an RTS. A Halo RTS. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> nice one, Rai. <laughs> He's not wrong. He's not wrong. He's not. Uh Dizzy Bumper says, uh, agreed, gave Halo a new genre, but also gave the fans Jerome Daddy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> uh, King Big Beard says, gave uh, more diverse vehicles and troops to the universe. Uh, Jedi Spartan 38 says, killing off George 052. No, wait, that's Reach. Easy mistake to make since Forge dies the same way. <laughs> I'd say the- <laughs> I'd say the look we got at the her- early Human Covenant War. And then George status, bo- status Bot says, George is dead. <laughs> <laughs> Dezito says, a ruthless, badass mofo arbiter. Yeah. Weaponized Cuteness says, all the new unique vehicles and flood forms that are added are awesome. The flood especially, because expanding on what they'd use for combat in different situations is always fun. They did make a bunch of new comps floods especially those mm, pelicans seagulls lots of floods oh yeah the seagulls, sk- the yeah. seagulls. <laughs> it's so weird inside out seagulls uh hector elite says they killed off the arbiter thus allowing theo to become the new arbiter <laughs> yeah sure that's what they did 
Very good. <laughs> uh, Blue Calc says probably the best soundtrack to come out of any Halo spinoff and some of the most epic cutscenes we've ever seen at that point in time. Not to mention a really well done self-contained story that fits so well in the universe. I loved Halo Wars. Axif says it expanded the universe and the franchise itself to new boundaries with a great set of characters, lore, and a new genre. But the greatest thing it did was Jerome. I love Jerome. Yeah. Finally, we have Burrito Torpedo. Love that name. <laughs> he says, uh, love the soundtrack, expanded the lore, and brought the world outside of the Chief alive. It helped launch Halo Legos. Open parentheses, mega blocks, close parentheses. He actually <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> spelled out open and close parentheses. <laughs> oh, okay. I appreciate that. That's nice. cool. So he always wanted to get those mega blocks as a kid, but now my sister gets them in her childhood instead of me. Now I'm just an oh, adult man. male with lots of toys in his living room. Sad face. No, so there's that, nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong <laughs> with that. If you get kids, you have more of an excuse to buy toys, I suppose. Exactly. <laughs> Get them into something you like, and then you have the mm -hmm. toys. Exactly. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> uh, so a couple, so a couple mentions of Jerome, but Jer so Jerome was like birthed in Halo Wars, but he wasn't actually fleshed out. Yeah. Until Halo also, Wars. Alice is better. Yeah, I forget. <laughs> I need to go back to the to. Well, we'll play it soon. So Alice is the girl. A, she is the girl. That's yeah. Right. Does she have a chain gun? <laughs> Yeah, she she's does. A chain gun. Yeah. yeah, she's chain great. Gun's pretty badass. All right, David. She's her own mission. She's hot. Bring us uh, some. Facebooks has Matthew Blankenship says it showed us what a Halo game outside of a first-person shooter could succeed. Also, blur cutscenes. And we're gonna get a bit of a trend here. Mm -hmm. um, Storm says introduce the concept of multitasking and being able to work under continuous stress and stir madness. And also show us that war was like continuing outside the Halo franchise. Also amazing cutscenes, amazing dialogue. Thomas says it encapsulated the idea of a wider scale battle and also introduced new meaningful stories and characters aside from the Master Chief. Something which only the books had achieved up to this point. Those are excellent points, Thomas. Patrick says show for the first time that a Spartan is really capable of other than those slow moving tanks with legs. Uh, <laughs> that's true. It really did show a really dynamic and fluid Spartan as in the cutscenes that was really cool for that uh timothy welch says some of the best art styles and character designs pretty do it does it's got some good stuff in there brad says the cutscene titled monsters uh i'm assuming that's arrow the the main one but maybe that was the cutscene titled monsters i'm not sure what that is okay uh tyler says taylor sorry gave us a look at the expanded halo universe that wasn't tied exclusively the master chief storyline um, Lance says blur cutscene and red team Lucas says I used to play the hell out of this game's multiplayer with two of my friends we would do 3v3 nice. and we were always UNSC I always played Anders and a mix of Hawks, Gremlins and Wolverines it's a weird combo mm -hmm. one friend played cut oh this is a big ass message but anyway go on I'm going to keep going Lucas <laughs> okay. play um, he played Anders and had a mix of Hawks, Gremlins like I said one friend played his cutter and spammed ODSTs I like this friend He's a good guy. <laughs> uh, my last friend would be Forge and will put Spartans in Grizzlies. That's cheating. It feels like it's cheating. Uh, when we attack the base, I do a cryo blast. Then we throw a carpet bomb, Mac blast, the defenses, and then we'd roll in. Feels like everything's dead by the time you roll in. Right. Uh, veter veterancy was also really important, as a fully starred Grizzly with a fully starred Spartan would destroy everything. 
Uh, we got to the max rank of general and we're a pretty good team. We unfortunately stopped playing because a few months later a ton of awesome games came out including Halo, ODST, Modern Warfare, Battlefield, Black, Black Company. Uh, for playing Lucas, that was pretty cool. We played it right when it came out then. Yeah. Uh, Red Team, that's it, says Matthew. And finally, Manny Batista says, Personally, it led to the second best book, Smoke and Shadow in the Halo Library. Cutscenes were spectacular as well. Here we awesome. Go. Thank, thank you. you guys. Yeah, good thank stuff you for everybody that commented. Very good. All right, I think we got to cut it and we got to move on to the Raven, Fireteam Raven. That'll do it for our recap of Halo Wars. On the next episode, we'll be discussing the arcade experience, the first and only so far, Fireteam Raven. Send us your thoughts at podcastevolved.gmail.com or drop us a tweet at podcastevolved on Twitter. You can also support the show by visiting podcastevolved on Patreon. Until next time. Evolved. 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 Bye.